0: Great to see everyone this morning, thankful that you're all here, and uh, I'm just very thankful for all that God has done, and I'm very thankful that this final year, we get to finish 2023 strong in our studies, strong in the Word, because that's what we're about, Calvary Chapel Irma, studying the Word, and feeding the sheep, and helping you grow in your relationship with Christ. So, what I want you to do now, is I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say... Don't be aganeo. Tell your friend that. Don't be aganeo. Okay, now look at your same friend and say, what is he talking about? That's the, uh, this morning we are looking at this Greek word in the New Testament called aganeo. And I want to read to you some scriptures where this this word aganeo is found. And trust me, when you leave here today, you're going to know what the word is. Aganeo means. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be aganeo. There it means, it's, it's translated unaware. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not aganeo, is translated ignorant there of his schemes. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be agoneo, uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest of us who have no hope. And then finally, Romans 11.25. For I do not want you, brethren, to be agoneo. I do not want you to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of of the Gentiles has come in. Father, thank you for your word as we study this word this morning and we study these four verses. Help us, Lord, this morning, to not be ignorant, to not be uninformed, to not be unaware, but to be aware of this great and wonderful biblical truth found in your word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Amen. All four verses up on the screen have one thing in common. Paul uses the word Aganeo in these verses. The Greek word agoneo, if you look it up, it means to be unaware, it means to be uninformed, it means to be ignorant of. God does not want you to be confused. He wants you to know the solid, biblical, foundational truths that each verse is talking about here in this passage where it says, do not be uninformed, do not be ignorant. And the four subjects that we're going to look at this morning... Uh, which is the title of my message, Don't Be Ignorant, is Don't Be Ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, Satan's schemes, the rapture of the church, and Israel. So for the next 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to divide it up into those four areas, and we're going to talk about the importance of not being ignorant in each one of these subjects. What do you believe? What do you believe Take inventory of your heart and your theology before we begin this study. What do you believe concerning spiritual gifts? What do you believe concerning Satan's schemes? What do you believe concerning the rapture of the church? And what do you believe concerning Israel? And how many of y'all know that's a big question right now? Every time we turn on the news, we hear about the conflict taking place in the Middle East. And it's all over that little tiny piece of land that we call Israel. So we need to understand What God says in his word about these four subjects so that we are not in error, but that we are walking in the truth and we're not ignorant and we're well aware of what the scripture says concerning these subjects. These are very important. So as we close out 2023 and we begin 2024, I want to remind you of what scripture teaches concerning them so that you are not agoneo, but that you hold to these truths as we enter 2024. So, number one, the first place where the apostle uses this word is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And this is talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Let's read the verse. Scripture says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Okay? So we're talking about spiritual gifts. Things that the Holy Spirit gives us to use within the body of Christ to minister to other people. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us for the edification of the body of Christ. Unfortunately, that which is meant to unite and edify the body of Christ has become a matter of much division within Christianity. Some people argue, well, this gift continues and this gift ends. No, that gift ended and this gift continues. There's all these arguments about it. It becomes so divisive that churches give up. Pastors just give up, and they don't teach on any of them at all. At Calvary Chapel, we teach on all the gifts of the Spirit, and we ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment in their proper use. We are not a Pentecostal church, okay? But we are not a cessationist church either. Uh, We are neither one of those. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 says, all things are to be done decently and in order in the church. Our gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us should never be a distraction to those around us. I personally, your pastor, David, I personally have a prayer language, but I use it in my prayer closet when I'm having fellowship with God and not during corporate worship. We believe the gifts, when properly, properly exercised, uh, they build up the church in the same way they built up the early church. And this is the number one gift, excuse me, this is the number one characteristic of the gift. If you take anything away from uh, this teaching on spiritual gifts, it's this. The scripture overemphasizes they are, are to be exercised in love. Can I repeat that one more time? The spiritual gifts that God gives us in the body of Christ are to be exercised in love. And if not, you're just a clanging cymbal. And you can be annoying. (laughs) But when we exercise them in love to build up the body of Christ, they are beautiful. You say, Pastor David, what are, what are the gift passages? The spiritual gift passages are found in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses seven through eleven, and Romans twelve six through eight. I'm just I'm going to read through this passage. If you want a more in-depth study of this passage, you can go to our YouTube channel. I spent eight weeks on Wednesday nights uh, diving into each spiritual gift, like two gifts per night. We we dove into them thoroughly, but I want to briefly discuss them this morning. And remind you of where the spiritual gifts are. So you can go for yourself and read the word of God and find out for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7-11 to says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. And to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. Another to faith by the same spirit. Another gifts of healing by one spirit and to another the effecting of miracles, into another prophecy, into another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, into another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he will. So a word of wisdom. What's the what's what's the word wisdom mean? The word, word wisdom means the art of skillful living. The Holy Spirit gives this gift and speaks through someone, giving them a word of wisdom, when he gives them an insight, a practical manner to, to get something accomplished. It's like when a bunch of brothers or sisters are gathering, and what do we do? What do we do about this situation? How do we figure out? And then all of a sudden, somebody just says, hey, why don't we try this? And everybody goes like, wow, that was good. Where'd you get that from? That's a word of wisdom. That's the word of wisdom, where God, by the Holy Spirit, gives the body of Christ a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is when someone supernaturally, without external information given to them, God reveals to them by the Holy Spirit something pertaining to someone's life. That is a word of knowledge. That is a gift that the Holy Spirit uses. Then we have faith, where God gives somebody the supernatural ability to have faith, for supernatural things. Healing, miracle, prophecy. So the effect of miracles, prophecy, the distinguishing of spirits, the various kinds of tongues. You know, we're getting ready to get into the book of Acts. You know, Corinthians talks about uh, uh, an angelic prayer language, but then Acts chapter 2 talks about tongues as uh, them speaking in a different language that the other people from the other areas knew. So we there's the gift of tongues, there's the interpretation of tongues. So there's all these gifts that God has revealed in His Word that He wants to give the body of Christ. And then also, um, Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 says, "...since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of His faith, if service in His serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see how God just supernaturally equips the body of Christ? He don't expect us just to come together and like, what do you think, what do you think? Well, let's do this, let's do that. No, he gives gifts by the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ. And if we will trust in God and we will be led by the Holy Spirit, God will magnify himself by building his kingdom through using you and I through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be asking, you need to be asking, Holy Spirit, what gift do you have for me that you want me to exercise at Calvary Chapel Irmo? Every single one of you guys, play a part. Every single one of you guys has a gift to be exercising the body. And this world better watch out. When the whole entire body is operating in their gifts, the church is going to explode in their evangelism, in their ministry. And that's what we want. That's what we want. We want people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we want the Holy Spirit to work in and through the body. So what gift has the Holy Spirit given to you? Think on that for a minute. What divine gift, if you have, tr- if you have believed and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you've been born again. What is your gift to the body? Paul is saying through First Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, we do not want you to be unaware. He's saying there, don't be agoneo. God has given each of us a gift, and let's operate in his gift. Maybe you're not sure what your gift is. You know, first off, read the word. Spend time in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the gift. A couple additional tips. Ask your brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, what gift do you see me operating in? What gift do I see? A lot of times our closest friends will see the gift before we even see it. So those are good. Uh, ask your pastor. Ask your spiritual leaders. And help lead them. Help, help let them lead you and guide you, being led by the Spirit at all times, to discover what your gift is. And let's use our gift in 2024. Amen? Okay, so the first one, don't be ignorant. First 1 Corinthians 12.1 is spiritual gifts. The next one, oh, this is a doozy is uh, Satan's schemes that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 where he uses the word aganēo 2 Corinthians 2:11 2, says so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan for we are not ignorant aganēo of his schemes boy mm, this one right here so many people ignore to their own pitfall. You ignore this scheme, you ignore this truth, you will fall, you will be blindsided. Friend, you and I have an enemy. You and I have an enemy and his name is Satan and his dominion demons in the spirit realm. And they wanna take you out. They wanna rob you of your faith they want to knock you off the horse of serving Jesus. They will do everything they can in their power to deceive you and pull you away from pure devotion to Christ. The world around us, they laugh and they scoff at this, but it's to their own demise and their own downfall. He wants to pull you away from Jesus Christ and he wants to destroy your life through sin immorality, deception, religion, atheism, philosophy, shake it off, run from it, don't be aganeo, take your Christianity by the horns and say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you with all my heart and I'm not going to let nothing in this world get in the way of my path. Of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan, 2 Corinthians 2.11, he schemes against you, okay? He schemes against you. He has a schematic in the spirit realm where he is planning his diabolical schemes against you. He's not omniscient. He's not all powerful. You know, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he's paying attention and he knows and he sees our weaknesses. And he's going to try to pull you away from pure devotion to Christ. Is he going to win the battle or are you going to win the battle? You will win the battle if you place Christ first. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added. Seek him first. The, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, "Be of so, what I was mentioning a while ago. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The first thing that Satan does to destroy the life of a believer is he isolates you from the church and he isolates you from Christian fellowship and he isolates you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the first sign that he's coming against you is he's pulling you away from Christian fellowship. He's pulling you away from church. You know, I, I love watching the, um, the shows on lions in, 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 over in Africa where the lions take over the wildebeest and the zebras. What's the first thing they do to, to take out a wildebeest? They isolate him. All the wildebeests are trotting along. They're all going together. The lions look, at the, look for the weak one that's kind of lagging behind. They get him off to the side. They isolate him, and then they go in for the kill. Satan does the exact same thing in the body of Christ. He looks for Christians who are struggling. He looks for Christians he can pull off the path and then he goes in for the kill. He tempts you with sin. He tempts you with immorality. He, he reminds you of your past. You know, every time the devil reminds me of the past, you know what I do? I remind him of his future. In the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He will spend eternity in the lake of fire. I'm going to spend eternity in the glory of heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he ain't taking me with him, period. Um, He tells you that you are a slave to sin. And he says there's no way out of your sin. That is a lie from the devil. There is no sin. There is no bondage. There is no thing in this life that is greater than the grace of God. There's nothing. Whatever, whatever you're facing, the grace of God is greater. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater. Now, it's going to take some pain. It's going to take some discipleship. It's going to put, in the, put in the, where the rubber meets the road. You're going to have to focus your life, get into Bible study, get into fellowship, get into discipleship. Press forward, but through that, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you got to be willing to do the hard work. Pastor David, how do I win the battle? I'm glad you asked. You need armor. You need armor. You know, we have a friend here getting ready to ship off to basic training this week. And uh, the first thing that's going to happen when she arrives at basic training, they're going to take her to the CIF. The CIF stands for Central Issue Facility, and at the Central Issue Facility, they're going to issue um, her all of her equipment, and they're going to prepare her for battle. You friends need to go to the CIF, the CIF of heaven, and take on your armor. Take on your armor so that you can win the fight. Ephesians chapter six, verse ten seventeen tells us what our armor is. Let's look at it. To win, to, to battle against Satan's schemes, you've got to have these things. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes. There it is in verse 11. The schemes of the devil. Uh, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness. Our battle is not in the flesh. We don't fight with our fists. We don't fight with our weapons. We fight in the spirit realm through prayer, through faith, through the word of God. Because that is what breaks the strongholds. Um, Verse 13, I believe. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day. Friends, the evil day is coming. The day of temptation is coming. The day of trial is coming. It will come. Christians are not exempt from tribulation. Christians are not exempt from temptation. We have to prepare ourselves for that evil day. And it says, having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, having gir- girded your loins with truth. So the first thing he says there is gird your loins with truth. What did Jesus say in John fourteen six? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth of life. Jesus said in John 17, uh, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We need truth to win the battle. And a relationship with Jesus Christ is the truth. And believing and trusting in his word is the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does a breastplate do? A breastplate in, in, in battle uh, guards our heart. What we need to do, friends and family, is wrap our hearts and wrap our souls in the righteousness of righteousness of Jesus. Now, it is a free gift. It's not of works. It's given to us at salvation. But we need to realize that. We need to understand that. And we need to say, Lord Jesus, my heart is yours. My life is yours. Wrap your shield, your breastplate, around my heart. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, talking about feet. We take the gospel everywhere we go. We share the gospel everywhere we go. It's the gospel of peace, the word says. Uh, The gospel of peace, meaning it brings peace. It brings us peace with God. It brings the sinner peace with God. A person comes into this world, they are an enemy of God by their wicked works and their evil and their sin. But when you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ, that barrier is brought down and you have peace with God. You're no longer at war with God, but you're living in a right relationship with him. That peace also could be talking about peace of mind. We have perfect peace in our relationship with Christ. He brings peace to our minds and peace to our hearts. In addition, taking up the shield of faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We say, Lord Jesus, Lord God Almighty, I don't see you in my physical eyes, but I believe you exist. And not only do I believe that you exist, but I trust you with all my heart. This is how you win the battle. This is how we're not ignorant. Uh, and then verse 17. Oh, he says, the shield of faith which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Again, in the spirit realm, Satan and his demons he's throwing his arrows at you he's going to throw more arrows at you in 2024 how you win the battle lift up the shield of faith say god i trust in you i believe you i trust you and i'm going to fight verse 17 take up the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation you you think about a helmet he put, A soldier puts on his head the helmet of salvation. What does a helmet do in, in battle? What does a helmet do uh, in war? It protects the brain. What's inside the brain? The mind. We need to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And how do we guard our minds? Look at the rest of the verse. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This book Is the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses our study of the Word, uses the proclamation of the Word, uses the truth of the Word, to cut into our lives, and transform us and change us by the sword of the Spirit. And we got to fill this noggin, we got to fill this noggin with the Word of God. Some people say, "Man, you Christians, y'all are just all brainwashed." To that, I agree. We are brainwashed. We're washing our brains. With the word of God so that we can guard our minds with God's word. That's how you fight against Satan's schemes. Let's look at the next one. So the, the first one, spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. Secondly, don't be uh, ignorant of Satan's schemes. Number three is don't be ignorant of the rapture. And that text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 says... But I do not want you to be, there it is, aganeo, he translates it, uh, uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Friends and family, we are living in a fast-paced world. I mean, we're going to snap our fingers and 2024 is going to be over. Everything is just happening at lightning speed. It's almost as if times, it's just getting crazy. It's getting hard to manage everything. But life is happening very quick. Things are happening very quick. Uh, A lot of things are happening as we go from day to day. But, listen to me clearly. In one day, in one hour, in one moment, Jesus will return. Jesus will return. For the believer, it will be glorious. We will be shouting and we will be dancing and we will be praising the Lord. It's going to be a glorious, beautiful day when he splits that eastern sky and we see the Shekinah glory of God and the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. But for the unbeliever, it will be a paralyzing day. A day filled with fear as they witness Bible prophecy being fulfilled. We call this the rapture of the church. And I want to show you where we get that word rapture from. Let's continue, verse 15. Verse 15 says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. In verse seven, look at verse 17. In verse 17, the scripture uses the word caught up. In the Latin Vulgate translation of the New Testament, this word caught up, our English word, the, 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 um, the Latin word is raptura, from which we get the word rapture. So the word rapture is not in the Bible, but neither is the word trinity, and we believe in the trinity. The word Bible is not in the Bible, but we believe the Bible. This word is just a, a, a word that we use to describe the biblical truth of verse 17. So if you don't want to call it the rapture, call it the caught up. That's what he's talking about here. This this caught up. This this Christ returning for his body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 17 is the is the foundation for this truth. It is the fulfillment of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 where Jesus told his disciples, and he tells us through the word on the evening before his crucifixion, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. This is the the rapture of the church, the return of Christ. How should we live, application, how should we live in light of knowing that the rapture will come. To that, to answer that question, I turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Where he talks about, and this is another phrase that you'll hear people talk about the rapture. They call it the blessed hope. The blessed hope, the return of Christ. Um, but Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13 says... For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the, there it is, the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Who's our great God and Savior right there? He says it at the end of verse 13. Jesus Christ. So how do we live? Go back to verse 12. He says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Simply put there, say no to sin. Say no to sin. Buckle up the chin strap. Do what you got to do and fight the good fight. And take the battle to sin. Say no to sin. Resist it. Run from it. Fight against it. Get accountability. Live wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ. And then also like the phrase in verse uh, 12 of Titus chapter 2 where he says, um, live sensibly. I love that word, live sensibly. When you think about sensibly, you think about your mind. What God tells us in his word to do is to think clearly. Think clearly. So many times we make decisions in life uh, just off the cuff just rash decisions we don't put a lot of thought into it but in our faith in our walk with christ we need to think clearly is what i'm considering doing with my life is it going to honor and glorify god or is it rebellious if it's rebellious say no to it if it's going to honor and glorify god then move forward and do it but we need to think clearly about our faith christianity is more than just a mental ascent to truth in our minds okay People say, I believe. The Bible says the demons believe in God, but they're not going to be saved. It's it's believing in God with all of our mind and with all of our heart, but there's a surrender in your life. This is Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I make some mistakes along the way, but I'm endeavoring with all my heart to follow you with all my heart and to be obedient to you. That's how we respond knowing the rapture. No man knows the day. No man knows the hour. If anybody out there, you hear online or in person, predicts his coming, know that that's not the day, because Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. So if they predict a day, that means it's not true, because he can't. Nobody can predict a day. Don't don't live in worry. Don't don't live in fear. Oh, is it going to happen today? It's going to happen when it happens. And we just need to be about the Father's business in this world, serving Him and loving Him with all of our heart. Again, back to 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. The rapture will take place. Number four, the fourth place that uh, agoneo is used in the New Testament is found in Romans 11.25. And boy, if this ain't a hot subject, I don't know what else is. This is Israel. This is concerning the people of Israel. Is God finished with Israel. And to answer that question, we look to Romans chapter 11 verse 25. You look at the verse for yourself and see what it says. Romans 11:25 says, "For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel, unto the fullness of the gentiles has come in." Now, within the body of Christ, there's really two camps there's replacement theology, and then there's classic theology. Uh, Replacement theology believes that the church, the body of Christ has replaced the nation of Israel and there is no future for the nation of Israel. Classic theology, which I call biblical theology, says no, God has a place for the nation of Israel. So is God done with the Jewish people? Is God done with the nation of Israel? Go back, let the word of God speak. 11, Romans eleven twenty five. 25. I do not want you to be, he says that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until, that, that key word there is, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So once the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, God is going to turn his attention back to the nation of Israel. The apostle Paul dedicates three entire chapters to this subject. Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 11. So to answer the question, is God finished with Israel? It is a resounding no. God is not done with the nation of Israel. Look at, read it for yourself. Romans eleven twenty five. 25. No, they are on the shelf for their rejection of Jesus. But once... Romans eleven twenty five. 25, once the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, that is, once the church age is complete, God will turn his attention back to Israel. We believe we are currently living in the church age. The church age will come to an end with the rapture of the church and the appearing of the Antichrist. Then God will turn his attention back to Israel in what we know as the Great Tribulation or the Book of Revelation. Revelation Chapter Four, Verse One through Revelation chapter 19 all that chaos god 's pouring out his wrath on the nation on the world this rejected Christ, but at the same time you go read it for yourself there 's a revival taking place in Israel one hundred and forty four thousand Jews are going to evangelize the world as he turns his attention back to them. So God is not finished with Israel. One day he will turn his attention back to them. God will revive Israel. And as I said a while ago, there will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Bringing the gospel to a world in a dark world filled with chaos. I told you I wasn't giving you a softball for the final Sunday. There's a lot here. And if your brain is swimming, welcome to the club. My brain was swimming too as I was studying all this this week. So here's the thing. Why do all the Christians love Israel today? How should you and I feel about the nation of Israel? Your opinion is your opinion. My opinion is my opinion. Let's see what the Bible says. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. The apostle Paul is in deep grief. He's in deep anguish. This is very important and we need to go over it thoroughly. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing, unceasing grief in my heart. Here in verses 1 and 2, Paul is revealing um, his heart for the nation of Israel. Paul loved the Jewish people. Paul loved Israel, and he is crushed by their rejection. And his passion was that they know Jesus Christ and not reject him. So he's he's heartbroken. He's crushed that they've rejected Messiah. It, it, it's, it's it's crushing him. And look at verse three. He says in that in Romans nine, for I could wish that I myself were accursed. The Greek word there is anathema. In other words, he's saying I wish. I was damned, separate, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Wow. Paul says he wished that he would be sent to hell for the nation of Israel to come to Christ. I don't know if I could pray that. I don't, I don't know if I can go there. But that reveals his love for his people. You know, we could apply that today to the world. Do we have a deep, abiding love for the world around us? Are we crushed at their rejection of Christ? My prayer and hope is that the Holy Spirit fills us with a passion for the lost, a passion for the world around us. In the same way the Apostle Paul loved Israel, let us love this world. Verse four, let's, 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 let's establish why the Jewish people are so important. Look at verse 4. Who are the Israelites? To whom belongs the adoption as sons in the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promise. So he, here he's showing us what makes Israel special. Without Israel, there is no faith. Without Israel, there is no Bible. Without Israel, there is no promise. They, they are the... They, they, God used the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, to bring Jesus into the world, which he's going to allude to in the next verse. Uh, But God elected these people, chose these people to bring them into the promised land, to establish Israel, to be that beacon of hope, to be that beacon of light to the world, to bring Jesus Messiah into the world. He did not bring Jesus Messiah into the world through the Americans or through the Germans or through any other country. He chose the Jewish nation of Israel. And look at verse 5. I think Paul, I think the Apostle Paul is just shaken. He's just shaken and overwhelmed in emotions as he is pinning verse 5 to the church at Rome. <clears throat> verse 5, he says, Whose are the fathers? From whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all? God blessed forever. The greatest reason, friends and family, that we love Israel and we support the Jewish people is because of that verse right there. God chose them to bring Jesus into the world. Jesus was Jewish. He was the son of a Jewish carpenter. He came to Israel, and that should cause us to support them and love them. Every Christian should love Israel, be thankful for Israel, and fervently pray for Israel. How many of you guys ever heard of Cory ten Boom? Cory Tamboom, amazing, amazing godly woman. Corey Tamboom said this, and I quote, you can't love God without loving the Jewish people. You can't love God without loving the Jewish people. Now, they need to repent. They're not automatically brought into the kingdom just because they are Jewish. They have to, rep- they have to come into salvation just like you and I through repentance and faith. But God chose to use these people to reach out to the world and to bring the gospel. So, with the current situation in Israel today, how, how does our theology apply to today? And here's how it applies for today, I believe. We need to pray fervently. We need to pray fervently for the Jews, that they are able to defend their homeland that God gave them uh, in the Old Testament through the Abrahamic promise uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and that they are able to defeat these Hamas terrorists. So we we pray, we pray for that. But also, but also, they are just like us in the sense that they need salvation. Most of Israel today uh, is liberal. Most of Israel today are not believers in Jesus. They they are very worldly and they are very ungodly, Okay. So what we need to pray for um, is we need to pray for their salvation. We need to pray for the nation of Israel. We need to pray for the Jewish people. We need to pray for their salvation, but not just their salvation. We also need to pray for the Palestinian Arabs. They're in Gaza and around the world in the Middle East. Jesus loves them too. And if they will repent and put their trust in Christ... God will accept them. So we need to pray for the, the Jewish people's salvation. We need to pray for the Palestinian Arab salvation. That all of them, that all people in the Middle East, the, the Muslims, those in Saudi Arabia, those in Iraq, Afghanistan, the Middle East, we need to pray that God pours out his spirit across that whole region and that people turn to the true king of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. Uh, God said in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we need to pray fervently for all the people over there on both sides of that fighting that that the, the, the Arabs repent and turn to Jesus and get saved. And that the Jews repent and turn to Jesus and get saved. And I know Calvary Chapel pastors I've been in communication with, talking with. There are churches um, throughout Israel that are evangelizing right now. They're sharing the gospel. There are churches in the Gaza Strip, in in the Arab parts of the world, that are preaching the gospel and that are outreaching. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ over there on both sides of that fight and, and pray that they evangelize and they win many souls to christ amen so we just we need to understand we we don't want to be don't be ignorant don't be agoneo concerning spiritual gifts know your gift walk in your gift discover your gift uh satan schemes remember there's a war against you there's a fight and we win that fight when we put the armor on understand the rapture will happen one day Christ will return for his bride and we look for that blessed hope and we live holy, obedient lives and then understand this according to, and that was just one verse, you know Romans chapter 9 chapter 10 and chapter 11, God is not finished with the Jewish nation of Israel now, they are special that God chose them to bring his word, to bring Messiah and one day turn his attention but they're just like you and I and that they need salvation they need Jesus and so let's pray for our brothers and sisters over there that are that are evangelizing and witnessing to the Jews and the Arab people Christ died for them all amen 1 John 2 2 says he's not only the propitiation for our sin but for the propitiation of all man's sins of all the world so let's pray Father God in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for this in-depth study of Agoneo found in these passages, Lord. Father, I pray that you give us um, wisdom and insight into our own lives and our spiritual gifts that you've given us. Father, help us to be alert in the coming year for the attacks that are gonna come against us. Help us to put on the full armor of God Help us to understand that one day you will return and we can't wait for that day, Lord. But Lord, give us more time so that we can evangelize more and win more people over to your love, to your truth, and to your amazing grace. Father, thank you. And Lord, help us to pray fervently for the war taking place in Israel right now. Lord, I pray that those who seek evil, who seek harm, will be taken out. And Father, I pray for the the Jewish, the Jewish people over there that they will repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus and trust in the true King of Israel. And Father, I also pray for the Arabs, those in the Gaza Strip that are fighting against, I pray for their salvation too, Lord, that a great revival would sweep across that land and that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you for this study in your word this morning. Father, as we close out 2023, Lord, empower us to go out and live for you and to be a witness. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen.